What is up, Freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt and I just had a very high-qual rip. Very excited for you guys to uh, listen to it. Had a banana daiquiri uh, delivered to me around 52 minutes in, so extended the episode a little bit above an hour. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, you'll hear about it in the episode, but I also need to mention it here. This episode is brought to you by our good friends Unchained Capital, who have a security first mindset when it comes to Bitcoin financial services. Uh, Matt and I actually hopped on a uh, demo call with the Unchained team today so that they could walk us through uh, their newest update of Caravan, which should be pushed live next week. They're making huge advances in the space freaks, uh, particularly around multi-sig Caravan. If you guys don't know already, is their open source desktop app for uh, multi-sig quorums. If you want to create a multi-sig without a third party, and you just want to do it between yourself and parties that you know uh, intimately, Caravan is there to help you out. And Caravan, Caravan excuse me, is about to take a step up. Uh, instead of creating multi-sigs with single addresses, they're going to allow you to start dumping XPubs into uh, Caravan so that you can create multi-sigs with multiple addresses and the same XPub. Uh, really, really sleek design. Again, Matt and I were walked walk through it earlier this afternoon. Uh, I'm very excited for it to, to hit uh, the market and for people to start playing around with it and uh, for the open source community to start maybe standardizing a few of the things that they're doing because I think what they're doing is uh, very, very exciting and top class, top class. Uh, on top of the multi-sig stuff, if, you know, obviously Caravan is a software that Unchained uses in its own products, specifically its Vault product. If you want to enter in a multi-sig quorum where Unchained will be there to sign uh, a transaction if you want them to. They can be one key in a two or three setup. You can always move your UTXOs out of the vault by yourself, but if you're ever in a pinch, you don't have access to both your both both of your uh, hardware wallets, Unchained is there to uh, be the second key in the two or three or M of M, whatever that, that threshold is. For you. On top of that, they have their loan program. You can use Bitcoin as collateral to get U.S. dollar liquidity. Same day U.S. dollar liquidity specifically. You put Bitcoin up as collateral, you get U.S. dollars in your bank account. Friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin. And as we mentioned, Caravan's an open source tool that they're working on. They're working on other open source tools like Hermit, Slip39, and then they've got their blog series, uh, which has Dhruv, uh, Phil Geiger, Joe Kelly, and uh, Parker Lewis putting out some incredible content. Parker's gradually then suddenly is some incredible evergreen content that I send to anybody who's like, hey, I'm looking to learn about Bitcoin. Where should I get to? Boom. Go to gradually then suddenly first. And to find gradually then suddenly in all these products and open source tools that I just described, go to www.unchained-capital.com. That's www.unchained-capital.com. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. They're helping us do many things. First of all, they're helping us stack sats. Stack sats, not sat stacks. Um, you can sack, <laughs> you can sack sats. You can stack sats. You can receive sats, send sats, and sell sats if you so please. On top of that, they have Cash App Investing which allows you to invest as little as $1 in your favorite stonk. If your favorite stonk's a little bit too expensive, you can't afford a full stonk, you can buy a sliver of a stonk, as little as $1 via Cash App Investing. And because Cash App is either directly connected to your bank account or it is your bank account because they just rolled out 
account numbers and routing numbers where you can literally use Cash App as your bank account. Uh, there's no four to five day waiting periods to invest in sats or to stack stonks. You could do it today because it's all connected. Uh, Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. As always, use the code stacking sats. That's one word S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends, Al's Lacrosse. Not that dirtbag Al who started a podcast. He's trying to compete with me now. That dirtbag, the, the gall to use my platform and to come out and try to leverage it to start his own podcast. Actually, a very good podcast. He did an episode huddle, uh, American Huddle this week, I, I, yesterday. Thoroughly enjoyed it. But for the sake of this ad read, not that dirtbag Al. We're talking about Al's Lacrosse in Chicago, a charity very near and dear to our hearts. Al's Lacrosse. <laughs> Owls across. Use the code stacking sats. Download the cash app today and enjoy this episode. Long rip. I think you guys are gonna like it. Daiquiri fueled ad read. I hope you guys like that one too. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. Here for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. It's been a long week, Matt. I'm tired, man. I've been, I've been inordinately tired lately. Uh, I think it's the, the just the restlessness of of everything that's going on. Just like constant. I feel like I'm constantly on alert. You know. Yeah, I know. I know. We uh, we are in the the transition of trying to get our our son to sleep uh, throughout the night and. It's led to some early mornings for me. I had a, I had a 4.30 to, to 6 a.m. shift this morning. I'm pretty groggy right now. I've been waking up at like 6.30 every day like a productive beast. Um, just trying to keep my schedule. But uh, I feel for you. I'm glad I'm glad I, I don't have that on my plate right now. Yeah. I've been waking up early too. One thing I have been doing more and better of this week particularly uh, is taking showers uh, the moment I wake up. I was I was slacking there for a couple of weeks of of quarantine, just uh, waking up and not showering right away, and, and letting that uh, bleed into the late afternoon. Yeah, shower cracks you into into mode. At least it does for me. It, no, it really does. It really does. Um, it's uh, it's important. It's uh, it's important to stay clean. Hygiene. Showers are important. Hygiene's important. Um, we got some shout outs. We'll start with some shout outs today. Just a riff. We don't have a long list at all. Um, pretty short, actually. Yeah, it's going to be a short uh, and sweet app for you freaks. Who knows? Maybe we'll drift into other things. We have plenty. I actually missed a shout out last week, uh, Monday, um, because um, <laughs> uh, PTC Pay's latest upgrade has sort of mix, mixed up their, messed up their uh, invoicing sort of. Uh, flow 
um, and then it's messed up in the um, in the Excel sheet, the CSV file they provide as well. So some of those shout out, the shout out that I missed uh, on Monday was at the bottom of the Excel sheet. I did not know to look for it until yesterday. So we're going to get to that. That uh, shout out particularly was for you, Matt. Thank you for creating a graphing flash boot tutorial uh, that even a tech buffoon like me could understand. Keep up the good work. Love, Matt underscore S. Fuck yes. Another Matt. I dig the name too. I'm glad you uh, got graphene up and running. It's more important now than ever before. Yeah, you, uh, I, I, I was made aware of uh, a graphene, what's the other? Wood? Well, get into it. Copperhead? Copperhead, that's what it is, not wood. Dude, I, I didn't know there was a we were having, beef in the uh, we have We were having a conversation about how I always get dragged into all this different fucking drama. And I told you about the latest piece of drama I'm trying to avoid. And you just bring it right up on the pod. You know what? We don't have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we got we to gotta create some drama, you know? Nah, I never want to be a, a drama creator, just create drama. But I did, you always do get dragged in the middle. And I think you handle it very well. Thank you. Uh I I try I I try to handle drama as best as possible whenever I come across it. Um, you know, with this, I'm not. I'm still trying to get my bearings. Um, it's kind of caught me off guard. Uh, but the the short and sweet is that it was all the same project. Um, and it appears the Copperhead guys wanted to go a more commercial route. Um. And Dan, Daniel McKay, who is the lead at Graphene, wanted to go the more open source route, um, non-commercial, flash it yourself. With Copperhead, you like buy it from a partner. Um, they like have corporate contracts and stuff where corporations like buy a bunch of phones from them, uh, and it comes with like professional support. Uh, with Graphene, you know, you just flash it. Um, like an end user does and just comp- the code is out there. So there's all these legal legal disputes that are happening. They're former business partners. Um, so I don't want to comment too much here. Um, I just resent you a little bit for bringing it up and we will see as I look into it more, I will report back. But I have been loving using graphene, which from my understanding is basically... If you're running Copperhead or you're running Graphene, it's like 99% the same. So I have not run Copperhead yet. Um, I, I have spoke to the, the lead at Copperhead, and he seems very, seems like a good dude. So we'll see. But uh, So I might be able to get my hands on, on, on that OS, and I'll play around with that as well. Yeah. Sorry for bringing up, bringing, bringing that up. You know, we got we got extended a little bit. We got a nice minute out of that. You Thanks just, for that minute. You just fucking threw me right under the bus with that one. Actually, one of these shout outs is it's got to spark a, an interesting conversation, I think. Um, the next shout out is Bitcoin is an unstoppable machine that is designed to run in perpetuity based on free market incentives. Watching governments and its citizens react to it is going to be the most interesting show on earth. Watch the ratings viewers increase as people come to this realization. Uh, FF2K, our good friend, Farface2000. Love you, Farface. Appreciate I love you it. too, Farface. 
my my favorite name on uh on twitter and sorry if like my reading of this is staggered it's like in an excel format and some of like some of the characters get get all mixed up when when it translates to excel from uh from our shout out page and here's the last shout out uh it's not even a shout out it's a question when will tether flip in ripple hmm will it happen when will it happen that's such a ridiculous shout out. Is that anonymous? Yep, it's anonymous. Yeah, I'm, I guess I appreciate you, freak, but I'm glad you left it off, so I didn't think any less of you. Uh, <laughs> doesn't really matter. It's it, it's apples and oranges. One's an illiquid shitcoin, and the other is a trusted third party, regulation breaking stablecoin. Yeah, what are the market? I don't even know where they're at. They're even close to each other right now. I was like about to I was about to check coin market cap and that's why I instead I got angry at the freak who submitted it. Do you think it was intentionally designed to trigger us? Uh oh they're they're kinda close. Tether's at six point two bill and XRP's at eight point five. I can see it happening sooner rather than later. Stablecoin growth has been pretty pretty robust in the last few months, right? Yeah. It's around nine billion all in. Ripple is an illiquid shitcoin that doesn't fucking die. So, you know. Well, that brings up another point. Did you see that? We don't have this on the list. Well, not that we would in a regular episode, but now that Ripple's on top of mind. Did you see they're going to uh, sue people on YouTube for um, like false advertising or something like for, that? For like scams and shit, right? I don't, I mean. Which is ironic. It's ironic. Yeah. That a scam is going after scams. I mean, hmm. Already too so much ripple, ripple conversation for a single episode. It's true. This is true. I'm gonna go shitcoin. with Tether is going to flip in Ripple in the next five weeks, and then Ripple will overtake Tether again over the next three months after that. And those are just completely arbitrary. But I hmm. I felt like giving you an answer. I don't know. Never it's doubt. Ripple. Never doubt Ripple's ability to fucking pump for no fucking reason whatsoever. Like fuck that shit. That was like the most well, one infuriating thing, fucking shit coin. Besides, one maybe thing it's taken consideration. What one thing it's taken consideration is uh, what's his fucking name? The X or not XRP? The uh, uh, he's owned Mount Gox originally. Um, he's stellar. Jed McCaleb. Jed McCaleb. He that clause hit where he can sell more than he was previously able to. So he's able to liquidate what? Like I think like fifty million worth of Ripple a month or something like that. I don't know the exact number. Which is that should tell you that should tell you exactly why Ripple's a shitcoin. Like he has a contract which stipulates when he can and cannot sell X amount of Ripple. And beyond I mean, that Ripple Labs just, it, auto dumps Ripple every month themselves too. Where are the first thirty six thousand blocks, Ripple fans? Too much, too much Ripple conversation. All right, life We're is gonna, short. Uh, life is short. This is a waste of time. It's a good opportunity to uh, to remind folks not to fall for unit bias, and I mean, you shouldn't be falling for anything outside of Bitcoin at this point. If you've been listening to this podcast, but if you're out there and you're like still like, oh my god, but it's cheap. It's unit bias. Well, right, you can fall for unit eight. bias. Sats are cheaper than ripples. This is true. This is very true. If you're going to fall for unit um, bias, do it properly. 
All right, we're going to transition this into something dope that we were just demoed a couple hours ago. Uh, disclaimer, sponsor the show. Game Very changer. Sponsor the show. Game changer. Uh, so Unchained uh, Capital is coming out with a new version of Caravan, an updated version of Caravan. And instead of um, only allowing Caravan users to uh, up, uh, uh, upload and create single address multi-sig uh, quorums they're gonna allow you to dump uh x pubs into multi-sig quorums you get hd so now wallets. you can you get hd wallets and you can um create a multi-sig quorum and then use multiple addresses so you're not um just sending utxos to the same one address it used uh, so to be pretty big yeah it used to be a pain in the ass well, it still is a pain in the ass to use multiple addresses with Caravan. Caravan's super easy with multi-sig otherwise. And this new update that's coming up um, switches that. It, it makes it super easy to, to use multiple addresses in the, you know, in the same wallet. Um, and the interface yeah. is really slick, straightforward. Um, it's still the same thing where you have the choice of your own node or the blockstream.info API. Uh, it just looks really great. I think you freaks are going to dig it. All open source. Yeah. No, this is, uh, and that's one thing, one cool little feature that's going to come with it too is the ability to test a number of things before you even put money or UTXOs into uh, a multi sig quorum. Uh, so you're going to be able to use your hardware wallets to make sure they're going to function the way in which you expect them to function when you start sending UTXOs and checking redeem scripts and stuff like that. Uh, and like through the conversation it became apparent that like they're trying to create, I think Drew said this, um, standards both vertically and horizontally. So other hardware, uh, manufacturers can sort of use the test suites that they've set up to test their stuff before they push, um, uh, new updates to make sure they won't break anything. Cause that's one thing that was in the air with Trezor's last update is they pushed something and it broke something in the HWI specs or not in the HWI specs, but it made some HWI setups incompatible. Integration. Um, yeah. Um, you know, this is basically the first step towards that Holy grail. Um, this is basically, we're, we're basically there. The Holy grail that we've been discussing this whole time, which is very easy to use um GUI based no command line uh ability for a user to create a multi-sig wallet with different hardware from different manufacturers without a trusted third party so they could already easily do it with Unchained's um collaborative custody product and with Casa's multi-sig but in both those cases you have the trusted third party either Unchained or Casa that knows your balances knows your transactions um, with this, you can go completely self-sovereign, and they don't they don't have any information on you. You could either control all the keys, put them in different places, or you can have a friend do it. Um, you know, when we did the video uh, with Keep It Simple Bitcoin and American Hodl, when we did their multi-sig, when I did their multi-sig bet with them, um, we pasted the public key back and forth, uh, their their public keys, and then I pulled mine from the treasure I was using. Um, so this is going to also I think cold card sports coming soon. They don't have it yet. So right now it's Trezor and Ledger. Um, but that idea that you can just copy in text 
of the other person's public key is really, it's just a very convenient flow, I think, because you can have someone, I could have a buddy that's in San Francisco and he could just signal me the his pub key and I could signal him the three other pub keys and then we never actually have to bring the hardware to the same place. You know, you can you can do it all through like an encrypted side channel, you know, the encrypted message, in this case, signal. Yeah, it's a uh, shout out to Unchained. I mean, it was it's really like Matt said, the design is really sleek. It's really straightforward. You know, the ability to set up watch uh, addresses. Um, again, like Matt Full said, coin control. full node. Full coin control, which is important, and that one thing we learned actually too is that labeling in multisig throws a throws a wrench in things because uh, everybody's could label certain uh, certain UTXOs differently across the multisig quorum. Yeah, basically, so unless you have yeah, labels should be yeah. user specific. Marty, if me and Marty were sharing the tales from the crypt multisig, we might be labeling things differently. I might label yeah. it dipshit. He might label it American hodl. Like it doesn't. It, it depends on on who's who's labeling the transaction. Was that a Freudian slip there? Yeah. No, it was it was an yeah. intentional dig. It was an intentional. Dig. <laughs> you should have just kept going with the flow. So be on uh be on the lookout for that. They're hoping to get it pushed live next week. They're doing some QA right now. Um. Be on the lookout for it. Again, things are getting easier. Things are getting better. Anybody's telling you that Bitcoiners don't innovate or that Bitcoin's not getting any better is is clueless at this point. Yeah, um, I, I think this is like, a, it's a really big deal. Not to yeah. oversell it or overhype it. I mean, look, I thought Caravan was a big deal with the mass already, but with the massive caveat that it was really hard not to reuse addresses, which is like, that is a very big caveat. Um, but yeah, this is, it's so much easier than Electrum. Electrum is, you can do this stuff with Electrum right now, but it's it's just a pain in the ass in my opinion. It's got, it's got too many, there's too many moving pieces and it's easier to run Electrum server now than it ever was before. But just that alone, you know, makes it. That's one thing I'm happy Will Cole said too, when we were doing the, uh, the demo was that their mindset with caravan is to add as little as need as, as is needed to not confuse the user with too many functionalities. And then you sort of increase the, uh, the ability for a user to mess something up. So the design, uh, the design focus on caravan is all right, what can we add? What's the minimum amount of features that we can add that would, would not deprecate the overall experience. And I think, uh, they've done a great job of that, going from single sig, or excuse me, single address, and now to a full XPUB key that you can dump in there. And that's actually talking about following up on and listening to users. That's when uh, Drew first walked me through Caravan, I think a, a year and a half ago. That was like my big question was, why can't I just dump an XPUB in here? Um, and they've made that possible. Yeah. So. The other thing to mention here is is. You know, multi-sig is a little bit more complicated than... It's got more moving parts than single-sig, and you have to keep copies of your pub keys, and you have to keep your redeem script, and you have to know your derivation paths. Um, So that adds an additional hurdle. It's not like you're just writing down the seed somewhere and keeping that safe. Uh, In this case... I mean, you should know the derivation path. 
even if you do single sig, but at least for all the big implementations, they're relatively known. Uh, well, what is Rodolfo's site? Wallets Recovery. Is it walletsrecovery.org? Yes, I believe so. It's something Wallet like Recovery or Wallets Recovery. Let me check. Um, Marty, while well, Marty's checking that, they what they decided to do is, is they basically give you a JSON config file. And that JSON file, when you boot it up, uh, the actual application is stateless, but it keeps all that necessary information. So it keeps it keeps the pub keys, it keeps the redeem script, and all the derivation paths. Uh, so you can just yeah. back up that JSON file. Yeah, it's walletsrecovery.org. There you go. Plural. So Wallet that shows plural. that that website shows all the common derivation paths uh, for the big wallets. Yeah. And again, like I said, with the testing and other, um, and I've said in the past, I mean, that's the, the whole reason that walletsrecovery.org exists too, is just to try to help create better standards around this stuff, um, multi-sig, BIP32, PSBT. Um, it's, it's sort of been wild west for the first 11 years, and now you slowly have people within the industry collaborating and coalescing around standards and the libraries that Unchained made for uh, the Caravan are going to be open source, obviously, always have been. And that's one thing Drew actually also said on the call that he's very excited to see is that they're having outside contributors begin contributing to Caravan outside the Unchained team. So um, he's happy to get this pushed live so that more people can start contributing to, to that code base as well. Speaking of code bases, uh, our good friends at MyNode have the newest version, version 0.2.03. Um, I'm on the GitHub page here, and it's just got the new version. It's um, of my release notes. I have the changelog. Um, they added remote support for Tor V2 and V3. Um, and then the big one was they enabled an option to... They added an option to enable key send. Um, so you can just... If you enable that, then people can send you payments. You can send them payments if they have it enabled with just their pub key. You don't need invoice. As we discussed earlier, our last last episode, um, you need that to use a service like Juggernaut, the, the messaging service. Uh, the messaging project, uh, it's not really a service because it goes through Lightning um, and everything is local and encrypted um, by John Cantrell, Juggernaut. So that's good yeah, to see. Gonna... And also Dojo, it says Dojo uses Electrum server now, but I thought it did in the last release. So I'm not positive about that. But either way, it, it definitely uses Electrum server now instead of using actual, just straight Bitcoin D, which is better. Hell yeah. Um, and last but not least on the Bitcoin stuff, so again, we went over a lot on Monday. Uh, we had a good recording with Open Arms. Uh, he's an incredible Bitcoiner this afternoon, earlier this afternoon, Matt sat down with him. Make sure you look out for that next week. But he was mentioning uh, Stefan Levera. The big topic on that episode was join market cap. And Stefan Levera sat down with Chris Belcher from join market cap. Join, yeah. Why am I saying join market cap? Join market. Join market um, cap. Just such a perversion. <laughs> join market cap crypto. Uh, join market cap crypto. Um, um Every episode with Chris Belcher is a must listen. So I haven't listened to this one yet, but I'm excited to listen to it. Open Noms was great. Uh, we also sat down with Amidi, uh, and she was fantastic. She just 
gives me she inspired me so much so i think people really like that one too um now both of them inspire me man because and it's like again talking about people hating on bitcoin somebody's making a margarita downstairs i'm sorry if you freaks can hear that i don't know what's going on here is that but, in um, your home or is that a neighbor that's in my home fuck yes i home. support it i support it i think the freaks are on board um it's uh again makes me very bullish to see people like a media and open arms who have basically been contributing code to either Bitcoin core, which media is doing or apps being built and leveraging Bitcoin, which is what open arms has been doing. I think open arms has been doing a little bit longer than a media, um, but still both relatively new in since the, the last bull run and they're contributing very considerably. I mean, uh, media is working at the P2P network, um, Bitcoin Core project right now is rebroadcasting and trying to work out some privacy kinks that currently exist. And when you try to rebroadcast a transaction, she's trying to make it so the user doesn't have to initiate that. And a node will just recognize that a transaction may need to be re- rebroadcast and it'll do it automatically. So you don't have to sort of dox where you're, where you're sending that from again. And then Open Oms is just working on dope hardware and software particularly i mean uh at least from what i glean focused on privacy for bitcoiners they're both young they're both enthusiastic they both love bitcoin fuck yes i fucking love it my only complaint is god damn i just want to do these fucking things in person i'm i'm done with you know the zoomification of social interaction where just everything is fucking done over zoom uh, they're putting us in the pods, Matt. Uh, they're putting us in the goddamn pods. But uh, there was one other thing I want to say. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you've just been, I don't really feel bad that this is a short one because we had RHR on Monday. Um, and then you've just been pumping them out. You had you had Epsilon Theory, you had Ben Hunt on, you had Zuby on. Um, I haven't listened to Zuby yet. I listened to the Ben Hunt one. Feels like he bent the knee a little bit. So I appreciate He's that. He's coming around. He's see, coming around. Yeah. He's coming around. Yeah. We got to set him up with the Bitcoin wallet, like you said at the end. Um, so yeah, he was, he was, he was definitely less abrasive about it this time. So I think it was a, yeah. it was a short, but sweet episode. Zuby episode is really good too. Um, that was one of my favorite conversations today, just cause it was a good break away from Bitcoin. We talked a little bit about Bitcoin. Um, we're just talking about like how people let others they do not know or have not ever met get under their skin and dictate their happiness. And I think the, the underlying message of the Zuby episode is you are in control of your own success and your own happiness. And if you let other people dictate that, then you are living life in a, in a bad way. And then we talked about health as well. We talked about Bitcoin uh, as well. And Zuby is actually not as bullish as Bitcoin uh, on Bitcoin as we are, he, he seems to believe that Bitcoin has a upside limit to how much it can take over the world. And I think he sort of, he didn't say it outright, but, uh, agree, agrees with what I think Bitcoin's biggest hurdle would be in the future, which is apathy. But I've been becoming less concerned about apathy because I think the, the market forces are going to basically force Bitcoin on the world, whether they like it or not. Zuby, Bitcoin is designed to pump forever. Get it through well, your he, head. He made good points. Like how, that's one thing we have to consider. Like how, 
I mean, we talk about it. We do talk about it every once in a while, but like how big of a bubble are we in? Can we really expect the masses to learn about Bitcoin and adopt it? Or do we even need them? Number two. Um, so can they learn? Number one, do we need them to learn for Bitcoin to be as successful as we think it will be? Uh, the masses, or, the masses have no idea how regular money works. They have no exactly, idea how the internet works. They know no idea how email works. They have no idea how their phone works. They have no idea how cars work. They have no idea how planes work. Like it's it's a ridiculous standard to hold Bitcoin to. People will have varying understandings of Bitcoin, but pretty much everyone will be either using it or using some kind of derivative of it. I agree. I agree. But it's always good to hear those dissenting views where it's like, huh. Eh, I haven't even listened to the episode, the but I wholeheartedly disagree with him. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a very interesting dude. I was happy to have a conversation with him. Um, he's a Bitcoiner, though, right? He owns Bitcoin. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a, I mean, he's down for the cause. He just thinks it has some upside limit because he, he doesn't burn him at the stake. He, does, well, he thinks he, people will. Uh, I mean, he, he thinks it'll be hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think he said, don't uh, quote me on that. But. Okay, well, I'm fine with that. I'm cool. If that's yeah. the upper limit, cool, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, I'm actually going on Block Digest tomorrow. I'm very excited for that. No, good luck. Yeah. Um, You're going into the Dragon's Den. Going in. Going into Sh- Shinobi's world. I'm very excited for if you that. you freaks haven't listened we to got- my episode when I went on, you should go give it a listen. That was a very good episode. Very, uh, you got dragged in. You got dragged in. Like we were talking about in the beginning of the episode. I'm a sucker for the drama. I just try, I try and keep myself as objective as possible for you freaks. Uh, and I appreciate you when you put me in my place. Hey, you, that's the part of staying humble, right? Um, so you, you got to keep repeating Shinobi. it to I yourself. To- I was DMing Shinobi. We got to get him on here. It's going to happen at some point in the near future. It's long overdue. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say on the Bitcoin stuff. Uh, I don't know. Just, I, I just, I, if Bitcoin Twitter right now feels like bear market Bitcoin Twitter, and I think it's like restlessness of the pandemic and like just a- general anxiety. Um, you know, people don't have their jobs and stuff like that. Um, people are losing loved ones. So just, you know, just remember what's important. Like, life's short. Don't fuck around. Like, all this, like, bullshit Twitter drama that just goes away after a couple of days, like, is not worth your time. It's just not something to get riled up about. It's not something to get triggered about. And, you know, in that case, trigger being triggered is a sign of weakness. So just... Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. And it would be remiss of us if we did not uh, go to Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard. People may be bearish on Twitter, but we had a bullish day. We had a little pop. A little pop today. We're at $7,570. Nice little round number there uh, on Clark's dashboard. Percentage of Tor capacity within the Lightning Network has bumped up by 0.2% to 42.4%. There are 1,992 tour nodes on the network we are currently 1644 blocks away from the next retarget which is scheduled to be on may 4th 
And that's right now scheduled to be about negative, uh, a downward difficulty adjustment by 0.4%. And the halving is in 2,652 blocks freaks. We're getting closer. Scheduled, uh, according to Clark's dashboard, on May 11th. Is it priced in yet, Matt? The halving? Of course. Yeah. The markets are completely efficient. They're just able to price in this this completely immature asset in its adoption phase just perfectly. That's yeah, why I mean, that's why you don't see much volatility in Bitcoin. <laughs> Ooh, that's actually something to mention. Uh, FTX, they came out with a Bitcoin volatility index today. That's a pretty big deal, actually. It's a big financial product for the Bitcoin world. They also came out with an oil product. Did they? Yeah. Whenever they can make a cent, they fucking do it, man. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting the Bitcoin volatility index. That's actually interesting, though. I think that's a good... I mean, who knows how much volume it has or will amass uh, on that exchange, particularly in near to medium term. But uh, having a volatility index for Bitcoin is a unique derivative. Um, that is a an interesting way to get exposure to Bitcoin without owning it outright stay humble stack sets yes obviously but you could bet on volatility it could go either way right the volatility would increase up or down yeah you can use it as like a hedge mechanism yeah um it's an interesting measure to watch just like the volatility index uh but that doesn't you don't have to trade it to do that but yeah anyway uh on that note did you see tone vase is is charging three thousand dollars for his options trading class I saw I saw a meme about it. I didn't actually see that he was doing that. I wanted to announce. Did we get a hammer nine today? My my trading strategy is is going to outperform his options trading. Anything you can learn in that three thousand dollar class, I can outperform that with two simple tricks. It's going to cost you five thousand dollars. And when, once you send it to me, I'm I will send you a message back, and it'll just say "Stay humble, stack sets." That's it. That's going to cost $5,000? Yeah, I mean, or you, I just I just told you what it was, so you don't have to send me the money. But it, it's worth, it's, if, if his options trading class is worth 3000 that advice is worth at least 5000 That That advice is worth a Bitcoin. Yeah. It freaks if you're listening out there and you don't have a finance background and you particularly don't have a trading background and you think you're going to waltz into the Bitcoin markets and trade options profitably. Is it just Bitcoin options? I imagine or is it just options so. in general. I imagine it's Bitcoin options. You're not gonna you're not gonna fare well. I think if you're but, like if you're the type of person to spend three thousand dollars on that course, you're fucked. There's no way I don't know. I think even that one percent of traders that are good at, that that are able to make money off of trading, um, aren't the same type of people that pay $3,000 for that course. So Obviously. If you're thinking about doing it, you probably shouldn't do it. And then trading options, I mean, it's just infinitely harder than trading the spot price. You get margin and future prices involved. Like it's Lack of liquidity right now. Yeah. Um, just stay humble, motherfucker. Just stay, yeah. Just stacks. I've actually, or touch I've the increased stove. my. I don't care. Do what you want. I've increased my stack st- stack. God, I always fucked this up. My sat stacking to uh, to daily, just as like a little experiment, and been very happy. 
been um it's been cool to wake up, roll over, rip stack sets, rip a piss, stack some sats. Yeah, four thirty stack is uh is an interesting one, especially when you're you got a screaming baby in your face. The other so thing is right. Evan Van Ness uh the the ETH uh, influencer E two point this summer. He, is it the summer? He deleted he deleted his tweet that he said he's recommended putting all your life savings into DeFi. Uh, so what does that mean? Why'd you delete your tweet? Maybe it's save face after that one DeFi app. Got yeah, maybe because it's murked. horrible fucking advice. And it's not even what? DeFi. It's just Fi. Yeah. There's admin keys. There's I mean, we've talked about this too. And like the DeFi biggest use case right now is fucking stable coins. And Matt and I said it earlier today in a private conversation, like, or I said it too, Matt, like the whole reason Bitcoin was created was to replace what the stable coins are pegged to. Like, yeah, have fun with your stable coins, tossing them around to each other. Like that doesn't make any sense why you would like be pumping that as a, as a killer use case of a technology that's meant to replace that. It, it, I mean, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I'm dumb. Yeah, but. maybe maybe you're just an idiot. <sighs> Was that a dig? Okay, Marty, we're 35 minutes in. We're out of Bitcoin topics. What do you want to talk about? Uh, YouTube CEO coming out. I'm sorry, freaks. I've been a little angry in the bent recently um been getting a little aggressive in the bent maybe it's a combination of the quarantine the forced quarantines going stir crazy i'm in my father-in-law's bedroom recording this uh it's a nice bedroom it's my new office and it's like it's just weird that he lays in bed with in the room while you record it's just strange yeah robert shut the hell up back there (laughs) Um, but no, yeah, I, I mean, so two things pissed me off this week, particularly that I wrote about, and I said, it had very strong words. And one was the, the Harvard anti-homeschooling private summit that's going on, uh, this summer where some thought leaders within Harvard's halls are trying to convince people that, uh, trying to convince the government, I think is their goal that homeschooling should be outlawed. Uh, for the safety of children, and one of the dudes leading that um, that summit and that conference, whatever it is, a closed door conference, has said in the past that children are not, uh, or parents do not have control of their children. Children, at the end of the day, are assets of the state. He basically said that in a roundabout way. Um, and so that that's weird to me. Like it seems like well, that's two different people, people right? There was a Harvard person, and then who was the second person that said assets of the state? No, they were both Harvard. The uh, woman, that dude who said assets of the state was a Harvard law, Harvard law professor. A woman, and right? Then a, no, that was a dude. The woman wrote the article uh, basically saying we should uh, preemptively outlaw homeschooling because it, it puts children at danger, at risk. And what was funny is the, uh, the cartoon on of that article. It was in like Harvard review magazine or something like that. It had a house that was made up of books on the side. One of the books said arithmetic and it was spelled wrong. Like they, like they spelled arithmetic. It was intentionally, right? 
No, no, that's what it they wasn't said. Like a they dig, wanted... It wasn't a dig at like, if your home is homeschooled, then you spell arithmetic wrong. That's what some people were saying in the comments, but then if you go back and look at it, they fixed it in the article. Oh, uh, so what idiots. They days. should have owned it. They should have owned it and right. been like, that was like a classy dig. Yeah. Um, not classy, but the, just, you know, a, a creative dig. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the law professor came out as basically like, children are assets of the state. Their, their parents at the end of the day do not control them. Uh, or basically have ownership over them, which I don't think I have ownership over my son, but my son is my son. I mean, you kind of do. Nothing to... Don't you, like, legally have... You, like, legally have ownership, don't you? I think the legal term would be guardianship. Yeah, I mean, right? he's not your property. Right? You can't, no. like... Yeah, I'm not going to, like, throw him into the coal mines and tell him, start working. Just a weird, he... weird thing to... Okay, yeah. He will be mowing lawns very early on. What's the difference, Marty? What's the difference? It's a slippery slope. The difference is the state uh, does not have priority over uh, the possession of my son. And and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, this is weird. Look, I mean, I don't think I don't think that you have to be a genius to see that they have, you know, obviously a ridiculous bias. Right. It's like the non-homeschoolers saying not to homeschool, right? Like, of course, uh, of course they believe that, right? That's, you know, they work in that, that's the profession they work. They work in higher education at, at prestigious universities. Of course they but want why? to defend their... Well, it's not even defending private and public education outside of homeschooling it's attacking homeschooling no yeah i'm not i'm not trying to diminish that no i i I agree i what i'm trying to say is is i feel like this is more of a fuck off thing than a triggered thing like they're not going to be able to do anything about it like there's no way there's no way they're banning homeschooling or any you know not in america i agree but they want to do it yeah i mean people want it assholes want to do a lot of things it's like, can they execute? Then you have to start worrying about it. They, I mean, they would if they could. But they can't. The I don't think they can. You know, I think there's no political will there. I hope not. I hope not. They're trying to, though. They have this uh, closed door. So I got pissed off at that. That was Tuesday. What is it, Thursday? Yeah. Then yesterday I got pissed off uh, at YouTube CEO. Uh, coming out basically saying they're going to censor and and remove any content regarding in relation to uh, the coronavirus that is not in line with what the World Health Organization is currently putting out there. And I just... It was even worse than that. She was like, that anything that is not true and we're using the WHO as our guideline. So not only did she say they're using the WHO on the guideline, she implicitly stated that everything the WHO says should be treated as fact, right? Should be treated as the baseline, which is even worse. And see, so this situation is a situation where I think it's completely reasonable to get triggered because they can and are executing this strategy right now, right? Like people are getting censored based off of this, this, this plan and they have unilateral power, right? And I mean, the real solution like everyone should be angry about this, but the real solution is to move away from YouTube, right? 
Yeah, but how do you do that? Where are we going? BitChute? We, uh, Vimeo? You know, I'm not sure if, like, a, a decentralized option is really, I mean, feasible or necessary in this situation. What we need is more competition uh, among centralized providers, right? And then you, you basically, you end up syndicating your content across multiple centralized providers instead of just having one gatekeeper in YouTube. Uh, it seems yeah. like, at least for the near future, that's basically the trade-off you have to make. And I mean, we saw uh, BTC Sessions, he got banned off of YouTube for a little bit. It looks like they restored it. Uh, but now he's using stream, He's using software that broadcasts it on like six different platforms, um, including Twitch uh, and Twitter. And he's noticed, and YouTube still, because he's, he got restored. Um, and he noticed that on Twitter he gets way more views than if if it was on YouTube, and I, I I don't that doesn't surprise me. We have great you know the Bitcoin Twitter community is is fucking super active. But the question is, uh, motherfucker is going to get his Twitter account banned at some point. Like we all are. Like that 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 is something that everyone should know is going to happen eventually. Uh, so he's just putting more eggs in that basket. But it's good that he's also broadcasting it out to all these different things um, because his users will know to be able to go and, and look and, and move around. And I think it's just going to become a commonplace thing that as YouTube censors more, people will be more accustomed to not just check YouTube. Yeah. But John Seth's written about this actually pretty pretty eloquently. Like it's hard to create a comp competitor to YouTube these days just because of the pure uh hosting costs that come with video particularly yeah like that's why and that's why we can't self-host right we can self-host our podcast that's why i love podcast podcasting people don't appreciate how censorship resistant podcasting is we can hit multiple platforms all through rss feeds we can self-host it we can give you a download file that has everything we've ever done that's a reasonable size to download. But video streaming, especially HD video and and live streaming, is insane bandwidth hit. And it's hard it's it's hard to compete with someone at scale of YouTube. Uh, yeah. but you do it, you do it. I, I think what we see happen is we see a move to like a Patreon esque system. Patreon esque systems. Um, some that have Bitcoin integration, hopefully, and some that are just straight fiat rails, uh, that incorporate the whole video streaming into that thing. Right. Cause like what Patreon's pulling 10%. We like talked about this in the past. I think they pulled 10% from their, uh, client clients. I don't know. Uh, creators, I don't know the exact number off the top, of my but, head. but they're pulling it from their creators, right. From the amount of money they raise. So maybe yes. there's maybe there's something there in that kind of model, but yeah, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to compete with these centralized massive behemoth companies just whenever bandwidth comes into question. Yeah, it's um, but what does that say? Let's get back to like what's actually happening. That Susan Wojcicki or whatever her name is is <laughs> saying that. <laughs> They're going to remove content that isn't truth. Number one, who is to determine the truth uh, and isn't in line with the World Health Organization? Like, let's go through what the world we've done it. We did it with Alex Gladstein a couple of weeks ago, but let's refresh your memories. Uh, no human to human contact. Masks don't help. No, masks uh, are worse. 
Yeah, masks are worse. Then even, masks even worse don't, help. don't help. Then masks don't help. Travel bans aren't effective. Uh, Taiwan's in China. <laughs> Taiwan is part of China. Like, what is going on? Like, what? Like, how could any rational human being? Uh, Chinese death numbers have flatlined. They just yeah. like completely flatlined. They did a miracle. Like, over what there. is? What is YouTube doing? Like hyping up the World Health Organization? Like how? Either so there's there's one of two options. She's either insanely incompetent or insanely corrupt. No, I think I I'm not trying to defend these companies, but I've said the same about Twitter, and I think they've dug themselves into a little bit of a hole where they're being held liable for the content on their platforms, which is. The last thing they wanted. Um, I forget what the clause is, but it's the clause that that the Earn It Act is trying to remove, which basically dictated that if you have an online platform, you're not responsible for content created by the users, which is was huge for the internet to to get to the point where it is today in America, um, because that's ridiculous that that if someone tweets out something that the company is held liable. But what happened is all these companies, Twitter. Facebook, YouTube, YouTube, uh, yeah, it's Google, but all those companies, Instagram, they started using algori- algorithms to show you your timeline, to show you next video wait, and wait, stuff. Wait, 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 Let's one, back up. No, one second, one second. So once they switched to the algorithms, they became liable for the content, right? Why, why is this content getting shown? When I click a video, why is the next video whatever video it is? They became liable for that content. Um, and now they're trying to shirk that responsibility by putting it on some other organization, right? By saying, you know, don't hold YouTube lot. We're just going by WHO's standards. Like that's what I, that's what I think it is. And I think like the way you solve something like that is, is you put in the ability for multiple moderation choices, so you can choose, you know, do I want WHO doing it? Do I want this organization doing it? Do I want this organization doing it? And you can like pick and choose, or do I want no no moderation? And and you you choose which one you want. Um, as far as a centralized platform goes, I feel like that could be like a nice middle ground. Just YouTube, just go to what you were doing originally. Who fucking cares? And again, going back, like if they're going by the guidelines, they want to remove things that are untruthful like wh- why would you ever go by the world health organization's guidelines when they've been very untruthful and have but been then, like which organization do they choose exactly that's the whole point like you don't know like let people decide for themselves like that's the point of the bent articles that i was writing earlier this week you know what i'm going against the homeschoolers again too these people hate you they don't think you can critically think. they don't <laughs> think you can take care of your children they don't think you can make decisions for their, yourself. Like they want to make the decisions for you, and that's becoming no, glaringly this, obvious. This is the exact opposite with YouTube. Like YouTube can go fuck themselves with their censorship resist, censorship uh, policies, right? YouTube's a centralized platform. There's no censorship resistance there, but they don't want to make the decision. They're being forced into a position to make these decisions. You know, if if, if it was up to YouTube. They would have no moderation whatsoever. They make more money. Did you that watch way. that video? They make more money that, that way. Did you watch that video? She does not. She's not like. Uh, we just need to like give it to the World Health Organization. She's like, no, this is the authority on the matter, and we're only going to be pumping them because that they're right and you're wrong. 
that that was the tone. That woman can and go the fuck, connotation. Her, fuck herself. That woman can go fuck herself. But if you look at the incentives for these corporations, okay, Twitter Twitter doesn't want to ban anyone. Twitter would love bots to just run all through Twitter and boost engagement numbers, boost advertising dollar numbers, have crazy clickbait stories and stuff. The incentives line up for them to allow that. They put themselves in this position, though, where they can moderate. And because they can moderate, they're expected to moderate. And then all of a sudden you end up in this vague-ass situation where what is right and what is wrong, what should be removed, what should be removed. Ding, 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 ding. Now we're getting to the point. Who are the people pushing these moderation practices on? Who's behind them? Who's invested in these platforms? Like how much, who's providing the money? We know, I know Twitter specifically has a lot of Saudi influence, maybe a lot of China influence as well, YouTube as well. These, all these um, platforms are American companies. The biggest influence they, they have is on the American side. But there's other influences as well. Of course. I mean, you can't of deny. Course. Of course. I don't know, man. Again, maybe it's me going stir crazy during this quarantine. Maybe I haven't gotten enough fresh air last month and a half, but there's something like it seems like they're trying to erode our civil liberties, man. With Whether Twitter, it be the government via the with via the CARES Act or the corporations via censorship, and they're picking like they don't think that you can critically think. I don't think it's I don't think it's monetary incentive. I just think. They want to be the arbiters of truth and the gatekeepers of who's allowed to say what, when, and in what way. I think every person in power between governments and private interests have realized that it's very easy to mobilize and control a population through social media. So it's a prime target. I think that everything except for video in terms of social media, we can have we can, we can switch to distributed alternatives relatively simply. Just things that you can move your data around, you can move your social graph around, you can't be censored easily, there's not a central power that can censor you in the first place. That's the real solution, right? With video, we're kind of fucked on the short term. Like, there's no, you know, it's just, that's just a scale issue. If you want HD video, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna cost you. When you... We need Moore's law to extend itself. Yeah, that's just a it's a that's a waiting game. But then at that yeah. point, we'll probably be like, well, you know, you could get the HD video in a censorship resistance way, resistant way. But if you want like the full VR experience, then you have to trust Google or whoever you know whoever is the because it just moves Facebook. up. Like we could do right now, we could self-host standard definition like low quality video. Yeah, it's um, it's weird times, man. Like, and again, as the numbers are are rolling in, it's, you know, the Cuomo came out today. It seems like a lot more people, uh, than previously thought, have the antibodies for the virus. Um, so the fatality rate is falling. And that's like that's the like the, we didn't even touch on the unemployment rate. What was there? Another six point two five million. It's up to twenty. We're up to thirty seven Boston's. 37 Bostons, dude. No, none, of the freaks the none of the freaks called that out. I, I thought that was so clever. I have a bunch of friends from Boston. So it was it was really a dig on how small their population is compared to New York. That's, <laughs> that's what that dig was, and no one, no, one, no one appreciated it. Well, not even 37 Bostons. Just the top 10 cities in the U.S. combined. 
like more than that is unemployed. That's insane. I think 37 Boston strikes at home harder. Yeah. I mean, 26.4 million people are unemployed right now. That's insane. Again, That's just I'm, in America. Just in America. Like, and what does this lead to? What does this lead to? Like, we're getting UBI instituted. They're they're instituting apps that dictate whether or don't dictate. They let us know when we're not six feet away from the closest person to us. They're creating apps that are going to track whether or not we've had the disease, who we've been around, whether or not we've been treated and recovered. I don't know, man. It seems like, again, we're getting Patriot acted. And like, is it all justified? Like, is no. this whole econ- like is this economic even the shutdown like I'm like like when do people start going back to work so i'm torn on that so the reason i'm torn on that is because i don't think i think if any government is going to shut down somewhere it should be local so I, you know obviously that hasn't been the case so i'm against that aspect i'm also against wholeheartedly against the idea of closing down beaches and parks and harassing mothers and stuff at parks uh, when when the police aren't even wearing face masks and their solution is to bring you to a holding cell where you're not going to be practicing social distancing. That's all ridiculous. The surveillance aspect, that's all fucking ridiculous. The pandemic, the virus seems like it's not as bad as we thought it could be at this point. Potentially, we might, you know, maybe the lockdown worked, you know, who knows? We'll we'll find out Um, if it was a really bad pandemic. Right. Let's say the the death rate was like three percent or four percent. The problem I see is the massive inequality we have in this country. The systemic discrimination we have in this country that you have a whole swath of people you know, what's the stat? It's like 10 people are worth the bottom 50% or something ridiculous, right? Those people, those waiters, those bartenders, those busboys, all those guys, they have no choice but to go to work. There's, there's no, there's no, this whole idea that, you know, if you still think the lockdown should go on, but, but it, it gets lifted, then just stay home. Those people don't have that choice. They have to go. So, but where that falls down is there was no safety net, right? So like, if you're going to go that route, if you're going to go that route, you have to make sure that these people are going to be able to pay their bills, pay their rent, pay their car payments, pay all their fucking expenses. And, and and like, if you're going to go that route, you got to go full fucking hog. And like, that hasn't happened either. So now these people just don't have money. Um, They can't afford basic items. Uh, and they can't work even if they want it to work. So it's like the worst of every situation. All right, we're about to go in. I just had a banana daiquiri delivered to me, and I gotta, I gotta finish this. Enjoy this with you. Can we cheers? Yeah, one sec. Let me, let me pour some more non daiquiri scotch. So, and that's that's where we are right now. Like, what's going to be worse, the the virus itself cheers. or the reaction to the virus? Cheers. We literally um, cheers the computer screen. That was a loud noise. It wasn't a margarita. It was a banana daiquiri. Um, and so, I mean, safe. I mean, safety has been getting a, got a lot of shit earlier in the virus for 
for saying it was overblown that uh shutdowns were a little overblown and now like the last few days last week he's making some really good points like what are the negative externalities of doing this massive shutdown across the country across the world to the global economy like economies markets are very uh not fragile i mean some of them are fragile but they're very uh complex organisms and if you throw a wrench in this complex organism uh and basically basically stop it from uh, operating for an extended period of time, you don't just flip a switch and have everything go back to normal. Like the, the knockoff effects of not letting people work and collect paychecks is, is something I don't think we've been taking into consideration and something we can't even, we can't even model out like nothing. That's, that's the interesting thing people haven't been modeling out is, is the, adverse effects of the shutdown overall and as a data and that's the thing that i wrote about this last week i very big fan of overreacting initially because you don't know it's a foreign disease it's a new disease you don't know a new virus you don't know how uh, bad it is and how many people can kill overall but as the data rolls in it's becoming more obvious that it's only affecting certain people comorbidities and over a certain age range, you have to start letting people go to work unless you want to literally destroy markets, these complex systems. I, um, I have two points. Um, the, the first point is, is that it's impossible to make a principled decision here because of the situation we were in before this pandemic hit us. Okay, the the situation we were in, um, partially because of our easy money, uh, is is, is that we were extremely vulnerable to this kind of situation. When you have a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck, when you have a lot of people leveraged up, when you have a lot of people that are desperate and have no choice, like you end up way more vulnerable to a pandemic. That's just how it is. And, And, you know, like you see a place... Uh, like Singapore, where you have this massive, massive wealth inequality, uh, where you have these workers that are imported that aren't even citizens. And among the citizens, uh, coronavirus hasn't really been a problem. Uh, but among the workers, it is that's where it's spread, right? And in America... We're seeing that at the slaughterhouses. Right, but in America, it's way larger. The, the, the number of people that are in that situation while being in a better situation than Singaporean migrant workers are there, there's just a we're a big ass country, right? So we were in a very vulnerable situation to begin with. The second thing I would say is why aren't you back in New York city? I'm not moving back. I'm, I I plan on moving to Philly. You're never going to go back to your apartment. No, I'm going to go back. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to, I might, I don't have to go back. So much cheaper where I am right now. I mean, but you're paying your rent. Me. You're paying your rent in Brooklyn. Yeah, but I'm not paying for the goods outside of it. I'm not paying rent where I am now. So what I what I'm saying is, at least, first of all, it's ridiculous to treat the whole country. This is where we come back to, like local local government should be choosing, right? But like this idea that like the lockdown is what's hurting restaurants right now uh, in New York, like isn't true. Like I'm not going. It doesn't. The lockdown could be lifted tomorrow. De Blasio could come out and be like, "There, you know, every restaurant can open." Like I'm not going to a restaurant. 
I thought we've all we've been wanting to do is go to a bar. Yeah, I want to. You know, I want to, but it's the, not the lockdown that's keeping me away from that. Right? It's that's it's me not wanting to get coronavirus. Well, that I mean, and that's again the point I'm trying to drive home here as the data comes in. We've had fear at all-time highs in the last few months. As the data's coming in, it should help quell our fears. Like, oh, it's not as bad as we thought. And, yeah, it's going to be a time process. It's going to be a process. Um, and, again, who knows? Who knows? I, maybe there will. Maybe the lockdown is is what's effective. And, again, look at what they do, not what they say. Like, they lock us all in our homes. They put us in our pods. And then uh, they bail out all the large corporations and they're starving small businesses and you're going to have large businesses be able to basically gobble them up and create more centralization. Yeah, it's fucked and, up. Yeah. I'm not saying and it's like, not what, fucked up. Who's this helping? Like they could have easily, like Chamath said, you want to you want to help people out, take that money you're I giving to the corporations that took stock buybacks and just give every American Five thousand dollars a month. It's about a like, trillion dollars a month. Just give us five thousand dollars a month until you want to re- remove the lockdown. Like fuck the trickle down yeah. bullshit. Just, just fucking and and people can spend it however they want to spend it. They can they can buy Bitcoin with it. They can buy Fortnite skins. They can order takeout food. They can pay their rent. Whatever the fuck they want to spend it on. If you're gonna do it anyway, and, if you're gonna print that and and it's the easiest with very little overhead, no corruption. But that's why they're never gonna do it. So I'm I'm not saying that it that it's that it's not fucked up. Very very little corruption. So how much corruption is being thrown at the system right now? Um, like it's that's... just all corruption. It's just straight straight fucking corruption and incompetence. But what I'm saying is, there's like nuance. There there's nuance here, like everything else. Uh, yes. And we're a big fucking country, and there's there's a lot of nuance here. Protesting is obviously an essential activity. They can go fuck themselves. Um, mass surveillance is completely unwarranted. Uh, the two biggest things we have going for us is, is masks and education. And at least they're advising people to wear masks right now. The supply isn't there yet. I just tried to get more masks in for nurses. They're fucking, they, they restricted them even more. That's why I thought that the Epsilon Theory episode was interesting. I kind of want to reach out to him and see how he's been able to get the KN95s out of, out of China. Cause right now I'm not able to get any more. Which fucking sucks because I was, because I have people that need them in New York right now, uh, but masks and education, just people taking it seriously, and just being aware of the situation, which wasn't the case pre-lockdown, especially in New York, was not the case at all. Like I was, the, the restaurants are packed, the bars are packed, the subways are packed, everything was fucking packed. Um, and masks, people wearing masks, and then we can we can start moving in the right direction here. But there is there is like absolutely no way. Uh, maybe this is a V in in equities, but for the real economy, there is absolutely no fucking way uh, that that we can just go from thirty seven Boston's worth of unemployment when we were only at one Boston worth of unemployment. Uh, the last the last cycle and and just like turn that around there's too much there's too much at stake here there's too many people that are hurting really 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 badly right now and everything they do is just layered in corruption and incompetence i agree and so that leads me to two points going back to what i made earlier like 
what are the cascading effects of negative externalities? Like, why didn't we think about this long and hard before we started doing this? And there are obviously examples of people, or not people, countries that didn't do lockdowns. They had bottom-up lockdowns like Sweden. People just decided not to uh, congregate in large groups, go to movies, blah, blah, blah. Uh, their economies are still running at a, a certain, to a certain degree, and they have similar uh, similar rates of contraction and fatality rates. What was the second point I was going to make? But this was kind of bottom-ish up, our lockdown. I mean, it all started with the NBA canceling their season. That, to me, was when people started taking it seriously. Right? Seeing the, that jazz game, I'll never forget it. Like, them having the uh, the warm-up guy do, like, three songs and just be like, the game's canceled. You can all go home. And then all the schools, like, the big colleges started doing it out of peer pressure. This was, like, before anyone really, um, like, before government started enforcing it. Then governments, like, jumped on hard. Yeah. But what are the cascading effects? Like, how... I'm, I'm like, now I'm getting, like, worried. Like, are we going to see uh, FEMA camps at Prospect Park? Because... Well, we remember you calling that, Gladstein. We will call that out in, in about five and a half months. He said six months. He said six months refugee camps in, in Prospect Park. Like, I was thinking about this today. Like, what happens when it does open back up and you literally have 26... I mean, hopefully some most of these people are just furloughed and, and like... Their jobs are like, yo, just go file an employment. When everything gets back to snuff, you can come back here. But you got to imagine some people are not going to be able to go back to their old employer. And then the the competition for the scarce jobs that will exist, that's going to create some weird times, man. It depends how much longer this goes on for. Uh, like, it what do you think? Do you think if, we should start opening up earlier? No. Well, it depends. it depends what happens in... And Georgia that's opening up, in Vegas that's opening up, in Florida that's opening up. Uh, you know, uh, do they have issues there? Like, uh, one thing for sure is that dense public transit is a major spread factor. We have that in New York. Uh, Boston got hit decently hard. Boston has um, a far inferior subway system to us, but, but they do have one of the better ones in the country. Uh, DC has one, right? So like a lot of the places well, that had it is, is the fact that you have to drive everywhere in Florida enough social distancing. Uh, that's a question that's yet to be seen. We will probably find out over the next three weeks. That correlation is, isn't causation though. Chicago's probably right next to New York in a subway standpoint. Like did Chicago get hit that hard? I don't think so. Does, does Chicago have a good subway system? Yeah, I mean, my, my, I mean, that's where I went to college. I used the subway every day. It's always packed, or at least it was when I was there. Like, what is, wow. I don't know, man. The herd mentality came in strong here, and people were so willing to just give up their civil liberties in the fear. Like, that's, that's the other, like, the inherent skeptic in me is just like, all right, everybody's scared as shit. People are taking advantage of it, mainly the government and the corporations. Um, to erode our civil liberties and then amass more wealth or market share. It's probably better. It's hard to amass wealth when nobody's spending anything. 
market share is the probably more apt term there. Again, I can't pinpoint it exactly, but I just got skepticism bells ringing in my head. Like something's, something's going on here. I don't know. I could just be going crazy in quarantine, which may be the case. Um, I think that it doesn't, you know, our government is super incompetent. Okay. This virus has so far all, all expectations of it, um, have, have been less than, than what was expected. Right. Yeah. 25 million okay, dead at one exactly. point. Exactly. Okay. In New York, where we're the hardest hit, but still way hit less, you know, they were predicting 40,000 ICU beds or something. It's like 5,000 ICU beds, right? It's like way, way less. We still don't have, you know, our police officers have one mask each. Our, our nurses are reusing masks, right? Everyone's reusing masks. Everything, all the PPE is, Rodolfo's favorite word, uh, favorite acronym. All the PPB is like being reused. Is is uh, they don't have enough of it, and we barely got hit, right? So imagine when they made this call, which a lot of people, you know, they were they were so not prepared. Imagine if this was like actually like a really bad virus. Like imagine if the death rate was higher. Imagine if it was more contagious. Like that is, you know, it could have it could have been really bad. All right, we got some more Orwellian watch shit here. I agree. I agree. Somewhat. But Somewhat. just now, rem- reminder via Spotify, take a break. Here's some calming music to help you find your zen. What the fuck, dude? I'm throwing my phone out. Well, I actually did have a theory. Uh, my Discover Weekly on Spotify has been way was- more uplifting lately. And I was, Spotify just reached out to me. It was like, yo, calm down, bro. You're getting too animated on this podcast. Was, we can I, hear you. Well, they might not hear you. They might just get your newsletter, you know? Um, <laughs> like, one of the things that a lot of people, when they think, like, their phone hears them, uh, which I'm not saying might, it, it might be absolutely the case that some, some of these devices are listening when they're saying they're not listening. You should just assume they are. Um, but, like, if someone in your household, like, Googles something you talked about on Wi-Fi and you didn't Google it, it'll still show up on your ads. Like, it'll still show up in your preferences and stuff. So, there, a lot of times, there's a ten, tangential reason. But I, I do think Spotify, that is one theory that I will prescribe to, that I think Spotify is trying to make their playlist more uplifting uh, dur- during these Dude, times. I've told... I've told uh my Spotify story before they're definitely listening or at least using geolocation Um, went to a concert and the left after the opener, like didn't even stay for the main main show. And that Monday discover weekly, never heard of this band, some obscure band. The opener was on my discover playlist for a song. I was like, what the fuck? It was definitely geo. It was definitely, or maybe, maybe credit card information. If you bought it with a credit card, my friend bought the tickets. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. Again, look, I'm not trying to say like we shouldn't us underestimate people in power's desire to increase that power every time they have a have an ability to. And when fear happens, that's when they fucking do it. And we're seeing them do that right now. Um, but 
with every as with everything else, there is nuance. There is nuance here, and even for this virus, even if we agree that this virus wasn't as bad as we thought it was, we were grossly unfucking prepared for it. Even with a full lockdown, they're running out. Full lockdown, and and no one. You know, way less projections than we expected, and they're still running out of shit. Well, that says more to be about the preparedness. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. We, we that's not that's not about the seriousness of the virus, though. No, I'm saying that's that's how you end up in a situation where someone who might not, you know, necessarily be thinking from an element of corruptness uh, or malintent needs to move us into a position of 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 lockdown right because we were so unprepared you gotta you're willing to fucking trash the economy for the sake of buying us a couple weeks right because when you reopen you end up in the same situation anyway so the whole idea is like we're so fucking grossly unprepared that we're going to try and buy ourselves a, a month or so uh to get more to basically steal all the masks from all the other countries which is like what we've been doing um, is that, that was basically the strategy It's like, we're so fucking unprepared. We'll delay it a month and we'll, we'll, we'll take all the masks for ourselves and then we'll be good. Yeah. And then, well, then you get into more nuance. Like it's maybe coming to light that ventilators probably do more harm or maybe do more harm. Oh, I haven't good heard that. In some instances. Yeah. That's like, so there's theories out there and I actually saw a YouTube video of a doctor from NYU it was like, I've never seen this before. This isn't a pneumonia. This is some different type of disease, potentially a hypoxia that attacks the lungs. So it may be t- attacking the oxygen receptors of blood cells and not the lungs themselves. And ventilators may actually exasper- exacerbate the problem by overworking the lungs when they're vulnerable, when the blood cells are vulnerable. That's one thing I've heard in speaking with doctors. Um, they're beginning to come around like, oh, maybe that is the case. But also, like, to put it in context, these doctors are put in a very precarious situation when somebody's showing the signs that they are. Like, this stuff moves quickly, and they got to make quick decisions. And, um, I, I, like, it, it probably makes sense at the time to put them on a ventilator, uh, not knowing, and again, this being a wholly foreign disease up to this point in time, virus, excuse me, um, uh, Real, it, it, again, it adds to the uncertainty of the whole situation where you don't even know how to treat it correctly or you don't know if you are treating it correctly and it's just fuck. Look, I 100% believe in personal responsibility. I think everyone should have their own choice here. Um, if if it doesn't come down to that, it should be the local government. I just, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't, I think this, this whole Orwellian overreach is fucking bullshit. The idea that protesting is an essential activity is bullshit. That we can't go to parks and stuff like that, and that it's being policed to this extent that de Blasio has, like, his fucking snitch tip line. Um, Motherfucker. I, I love the protesting to that, where they just sent him Nazi memes. Dick uh, pics. Um, but, like, you know, it... it, it even for the non-corrupt, it's a it's a difficult situation to be in, right? Like, you know, there there shouldn't be like what do you do with the public schools? What do you do with the uh, uh like all the government different programs? Like should 
should uh, the Department of Buildings be running, you know, during all of this? Should uh, traffic court be running? Should all, all these different little intricacies? And it's, it's mostly a symptom where we're put in this situation because our system was already vulnerable to it to begin with. Exactly. Right. So exactly. you have to make, you can't, we can't just erase it all and be like, well, if we were already in a more localism focused society, we could handle it better. Yeah. Like obviously, but we weren't in that situation to begin with. So you end up in this super messy situation and then they compound that confusion and that fear to further their end goals of, of controlling to have more control, right? So, so there there is nuance here. That's 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 all I'm trying trying to get across. No, I completely agree. I'm very happy you said that because we can bring this back to Bitcoin because this is what I hate when the Keynesians and the modern monetary theorists are like, "How would Bitcoin fix this?" It's like, well, in the first place, we wouldn't have gotten to this situation. Like, it wouldn't be such a precarious situation economically if we had been on a sound money standard in the couple decades leading up to it, and maybe even less. Um, and that's a very good point too, because it highlights that, all right, if you want to fix this for the long term, medium to long term, when the dust settles, when the economy is somewhat up back and running and we're trying to figure out, all right, we fucked up. What do we do next? Bitcoin provides an exit. It is a, a system that is bereft of the controls that exist in our current system and the corruption that exists in our current system and the uh, Orwellian nature of our current system that gives you an option to exit and start building a new system. It's not going to happen right away. It's not going to be perfect out of the box, but it the option is there. You can start moving towards the system by exiting the current system, particularly the monetary system. I've been tweeting this out and writing it in the band and wrote it today. Fix the money and you fix the world. I truly believe that. The, the, the root of the ills in the world are is the corruption of our monetary system. Yes, other things are corrupt. Other parts of the system are corrupt. But if you really want to enact systemic change, you need to fix the money first. I 100% agree. I, I would also add that a more direct example is that as soon as people really, truly needed masks, uh, they couldn't get them. Um, they... Governments around the world increase their 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 customs restrictions, their import export restrictions. Uh, right now, you cannot get unapproved masks out of China. Uh, the only way you can pay for masks to China, the only real way to pay for them is is through Bitcoin. Um, we're seeing similar measures applied to gold, uh, not to the same extent. A lot of it just has to do with supply chain issues. But you can see in a world where someone truly needs gold, where that that ability to physically settle that I, that idea where you're going to be able to send send the gold around the world that's the choke point um, bitcoin doesn't have that issue right it it you can it is it is not censor proof it's censorship resistant but it's way harder to enforce import export controls when the way around it is a simple text message especially when encryption exists so you, you, as long as you're able to send encrypted text, like enforcing that restriction is is going to be very fucking difficult. And I, I don't think the world is truly priced in how how massive that is uh, of of an advantage over gold. It's all priced in, bro. Yeah, I, I forgot. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. All right, my daiquiri's done. 
thank you for uh for listening to my my quarantine rant and again that's the thing that sucks about the situation there's so much nuance into it and it's so confusing and it's so new but it's like and i just innately intuitively i'm like ah, something's fucking afoot something's fucking afoot i uh, definitely i i 100% agree that something's fucking afoot yeah I, I agree with you with that anyway i love you freaks uh stay humble stack sets peace and love